0: Hello, this is Wayne Highlander. I'm National Sales Manager of Bona Adhesives.
1: And I'm Rob Johnson, National Sales Manager of Bona Adhesives,
0: also. So, uh, Rob, we have a special guest with us here today. And um, we are talking with uh, Bill Price and all things sport floors. Bill Price is a National Sales Manager. It should be a real honor for you, Rob, to be on the phone with two National Sales Managers uh um, bill price is national sales manager of uh our sport division in uh, bona how you doing good morning bill
2: good morning guys this is this is fantastic thank you so much for allowing me to, to be on the show with you you know I, I i feel i feel honored i i only had to wait like 22 episodes to to get on here so um from what i just heard a few minutes ago, it sounds like there was just nobody left for you guys to talk to, and nothing else to talk about. So, uh, thanks for having me on. I guess.
0: Well, it was either you or scraping corners, so you you got the nod. So you're welcome. So, so Bill, before I even even met you, um, I I knew your your dad, Bill Price, and I have to say, um, you know people talk about giving back to the industry. I know your dad was a third generation contractor in Boston and he ran bill price or a bill. I was a bill price, hardwood flooring. What was the name of the company? It was price hardwood floors. Okay. For, uh, in Boston for 33 years, uh, he grew up in the business, right? He had uncles and, and, and what have you doing the work as well. And, um, he went on to do many things in this industry. And I think if there was a, you know when they talk about some of the great icons in this industry, I have to put your your dad in that list. um He genuinely was one of those guys that just wanted to help the 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 average floor guy to get better at his job. And he served a lot of roles in this industry. And he was a he was a mentor to me. I went to one of his uh, speeches that he gave, and uh, um, man, he uh, actually had a big influence on me. So. Um, Uh, just want to say, uh, what a great guy he was.
2: That's, that's nice. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah, he was, he was obviously a, a big influence on me, um, for a number of reasons, but, you know, mainly I, I've been riding his coattails for 22, 23 years now. Yeah, geez, longer than that. I, um, you know, my, my dad started doing floors, uh, in the Boston area, when he was 12 years old, he started to work with my grandfather, and uh, my grandfather, my, my great-grandfather, all my uncles, all my cousins, all in the hardwood flooring business. So uh, when, when it came time for me to choose a profession, uh, you know, obviously I said, I want nothing to do with the hardwood floor business. <laughs> Couldn't think of anything less interesting or less exciting than that, so uh, I made that my number one priority was to make sure that I I didn't get caught up in all that, and um, that now, worked really good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, for you. so really, there was just not much else uh, out there for me, and <laughs> um, I rode my dad's coattails all the way to where I am now. So now I, I've been with Bona now for twenty. Going on 23 years, which a lot of people say, wow, that's great. You know, you've been with been with Bona that long. And the reality is I just can't find another job. I just cannot uh, generate enough interest from any other company to want me. So I, I, I'm just going to stick around with Bona until, until it's over.
0: I think I've known you probably for about seven or eight years now. And I got to be honest, it's been disappointing. I... I I kept thinking that one day you were going to come through with some tickets. I never expected a Final Four ticket, you know, but I thought maybe a Sweet 16 ticket or, you know, a Warriors ticket or something, but nothing. Yeah, well, you know, I think, I think we should let people know,
2: and I say people, I don't know if the guy who used to listen to this podcast is still listening anymore, <laughs> but um, – I don't even know, like, if we're talking to anybody right now, or if this is just like just a waste of an hour.
1: No, nah, this is all internal. Each stuff. other. It's yeah, I was gonna say stuff.
2: there can't be there can't be anybody who's actually who's listened past like the second or third episode, right? I mean, I don't know if there's any numbers on that if you can track that, but um, you know, I, Wayne, I've known you, like you said, I, you say seven or eight years. I think it might even be longer than that, but. Um, you know, when you were out in, in California, you know, I, I had always, you know, heard about you and, um, from other people and you had a, you had a really good reputation out there as, as just being, you know, top-notch contractor and go on. (laughs) And Rob, Robbie, now Robbie and I have known each other. Jeez, that has gotta be 16, 15, 16 years maybe when you when' did you start
1: at oh, basic no, I mean I knew you when I was at basic, so that was yeah. two thousand
2: yeah so I mean I, I robbie Robbie and I were friends before he came to Bona um and you know Wayne you and I haven't been friends even since you've been at Bona so no. really I, I mean I've, I've known both of you though outside of Bona and, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, would have never thought that the three of us would be working together at the same company. But, um, you know, after after listening to these last 22 painful episodes of, of your podcast and listening to you, you know, regale us uh, about all of the job failures and mishaps, and disasters that you've been through, Wayne. Cat you can stories, too. Cat stories. Well, you can just see what an expert you must have been. I don't know how many things I've heard about Uncle Stan, who sadly, <laughs> this poor guy, obviously had an undiagnosed uh, mental illness for years, and apparently taught you just everything that you know, which I'm not sure if that was good or bad, but um, it, it's really amazing to see how far you've come now that you actually have a podcast uh, where you get to tell people about all the horrible things that you've done at jobs in the past. So, this is uh,
0: it, it's all come full circle, I think. You know, you know, my uh, my aunt Stan's wife listens to a podcast every week. <laughs> That's not possible. <laughs> Okay. All right. So listen, we're, we're going to talk about sport floors. And, um, I'm not a sport floor guy. Rob is, he's a, you know, also a fourth generation contractor, but, uh, for guys that aren't sport guys, I think this is going to be interesting because I, I think sport contractors are like close cousins to the retail contractors. And I can tell you when I look back, I th- in, there's been two times in my life that I felt absolutely, utterly defeated. Once was a, after two hours of trying, I had to admit to my granddad was that he was right, that you cannot reach across your opposing elbow to scratch your ass. <laughs> the second was when I was awarded a gym floor three years into my, into the trade. And, um, I did a floor for a guy who was, uh, uh, you know, I did his, his house and he said, you know, by the way, I, you know, I, you know, at school, I'm the kind of the manager of the janitors and what have you. And, uh, we got this gym floor if you want to, if you want to bid on that. I said, sure. You know, I, and I arranged for a guy to, to do this stripes, you know, stripe it and everything. And um, I went out there with my eight inch drum sander at the time. I made one pass and the paper had burned up and I could smell it burning in that. But when I got to the end of that pass, I turned around, and I looked at that gym floor and, and the floor was getting bigger by the minute. And my eight inch drum center never looked so small. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, there's a there's a fight or flight thing that happens to man when, you know, when when pressed against the wall, right? You know, and I thought, oh my god in heaven, what did I do? And I got a whole new respect for gym contractors. Um and uh and I and was at the mercy of the guy that was to stripe the floor. I you know, I asked the, the, the distributor, do you know someone I, I could get to do the stripe on the floor? He goes, yeah, he recommended a guy. You, you ever see Seinfeld, the soup Nazi episode? That was the guy I got. We were completely at his mercy and he knew it. And I thought, if God, if I could just get done with this job, I'll never, never, never venture into gym floors again in my life. So. I became way with a holy respect for him. So, Rob, I, I, there's a lot going on in the sports. So, I'm going to shut up a little bit and, and listen to you guys talk about some, believe it or not, what's going on in the sports world today.
1: I doubt you will be able to shut up. I absolutely doubt it. Well, some of the listeners we have, uh, we to talk about some of the topics that they want to hear about. We uh, give a shout out to Jordan Foster and Jordan Foster of Foster's Floors and Christian Hayden from a h out of Indianapolis. And uh, they sent in some topics and Bill was going to talk about some of the topics that they want to talk about. So I guess we'll just start going there, especially, you know, I think we just dive right into the colors and everything, the big change in sport floors.
2: Yeah, the, um, is this... When when do you have the commercial break? When do when do you when do you cut to commercial?
0: Well, we we need seven more subscribers before we can start having commercials.
2: Oh geez, well you're not you're not going to get them during this podcast. I can tell you that much. Um, yeah, jo- uh, so Jordan at Foster Specialties and um, who was it? A and H. You said also
1: Christian over at AH. Christian,
2: Christian and Jordan. I, i'm I'm shocked that um that they would have any time to to spend listening to this podcast uh this this time of year It is slowing down for those guys for the gym guys and you know to to address something that Wayne was just talking about about you know when he attempted to do his first gym um you know a gym floor it's wood. And you use all the same equipment to sand it as you would at a residential job, but they are two very, very different animals. And it's, it's not something that a residential guy would just want to do um, as an extension of his residential work. You know, back, geez, maybe 10 years ago when, when business was tough, around the country when the economy had slowed down and um, and, and residential guys were, were looking for other ways to, to supplement their income, uh, we used to get a lot of calls from residential guys saying, hey, you know, how do I, how do I get into the gym business? How do, I, how do I learn how to stripe? How do I do this? And the first thing we would tell them back then is this isn't something you want to try right now. This isn't something that you want to do to try to make a buck. Because the glamour of it, I guess, is that, you know, an average gym job, the size of it is 8,000 feet. You know, there's 10,000 foot, 12,000 foot gyms in, you know, almost every high school in the country. And it's it's an an easy allure to a residential guy to think, geez, I'd love to get some of that. Business, how how hard can it be? It's just a big rectangle. Um, but the reality is, Wayne, as you discovered, it it's it's a different type of sanding. It's a different process. A different a different mindset. And the companies that focus on doing just gym floors, um, this isn't something they just stumbled into. This in in some cases it's a generational thing. Um, you know, you mentioned Foster Specialties. I mean, Foster's—they—they they go back several generations of of um, of family business. A, a majority, actually, of the sport floor contractors around the country um, are companies that have been passed down from previous generations. Uh, so again, it's not something people step into lightly. It's it's. Tough work in the sense that one job failure could could wipe out um, an average residential contractor. One gym job that goes south on 10,000 feet that has to get resanded, or, even worse, get ripped out and replaced. Uh, that would be the end of most companies. And that's the risk that a lot of these gym contractors take on every single day. Um, but these guys are craftsmen. They they're not doing someone's kitchen. They're not doing a living room. But what they are doing is, in some cases is they're working on some of the most visible floors in the world. Um, you, you look at any floor you see on television, NBA floors, Division One floors. Uh, the guys that are doing those floors are at the top of their craft. Uh, their sanding ability is second to none. You know, their their eye for detail obviously is up there. I mean, these these guys who do gym floors are not just running in and trying to do a quick coat and then get out of there. I mean, they are really invested and and really know what they're doing, and they spend a lot of time honing that craft to get to where they are now. And not only, you know, do they do beautiful work on the job site, but uh, they they have a different mindset for business as well. It's it's a it's a much different business than dealing with residential customers. Uh, dealing with some of the customers and end users that sport floor contractors deal with are extremely challenging. Um, so it it really is a, a different world from residential to sport, and and that's why it is so specialized. And and Robbie, you I mean you evolved into sport. Uh, the way a lot of the older companies did from from the bowling industry,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean. Uh, the, you know, I think one of the big things that that's always impressed me about the sport floor guys is they work on the toughest surface every single day, and they use the toughest finish to work with. They work on maple floors, which is a tough sand job they have unbelievable lighting that they have to deal with and everything they do is with gloss finish. So you wrap all that together and that's a tough day, but that's what they do every single day and make it look amazing.
0: I thought to myself for gym guys, you know, before I got around a lot of, a lot of gym guys, I thought, well, you know, it's not really somebody's home after all. And, and, you know, uh, you know, how picky do they need to be because, you know, it's just one big square room and, you know, the expectations may not be as high and that type of stuff. And, and I, I, after being around gym guys, I realized, man, these guys, it's like any level. There's there's some unbelievable craftsmen doing these floors. I mean, the, like you said, the putting gloss finish on maple. Um, and I have seen them, you know. I don't know who was a dean or whoever came through and pick apart floors that have a little, you know, hair, you know, like a a hair in a finish or, you know, uh, some bubbles in the finish or something just like just like a homeowner. Uh, So I was amazed at the level of craftsmanship on some of these jobs. It's not what I thought it was.
1: You know, when you said uh, it, it wasn't somebody's home, it reminded me of a job that I had to go look at one time in a small town in Indiana. And one person after another, you know, I I got there and I was talking to the uh, hit custodian and we're looking at this and we're looking at that. And then the principal came in and then the athletic director came in and then the coach came in and one person after another. And everybody kept saying the same thing to me. You know, this is the showpiece of our town. So it wasn't somebody's um, house, but. It was like he said. It was a showpiece of the town. So I was like, okay. So I, you know, now I know the the mindset here. Well, this guy starts walking across the floor towards us, and uh, he's wearing a nice suit and everything. And I just kind of look at the contractor. I was like, oh, who the freak is this guy? This who's this mayor of the town? Well, he walks up. I get introduced to the mayor of the town, and the mayor's like, you know, I hope we can get this right, and blah blah. And I was like and then the mayor is telling me this is the showpiece of our town so it might not be somebody's house but there are a lot of times where the gymnasium is the focal point of uh, a lot of communities
0: so for a hundred years a gym floor was either you know natural finish oil base or water base and now when I turn on the tv guys I see man all kinds of colors and, and different you know, graphics and can you talk a little bit about that the changes in the last few years, as far as that goes?
2: Yeah, the changes to, to floors. Um, I mean, the graphics have been just mind-blowing, some of the, the things that are getting produced right now. I, I think back to when, when, you know, when we were all in high school. The, the, I remember my high school, I think we had two-inch lines. And at one point, I think we put the initials of the school at, at the center logo, and that was a big deal, and and that was pretty much it. Um, that was
0: the graphics package.
2: That was the package, and you might get lettering at the ends, like with the name of your town, but but there was nothing. Now, uh, these floors are works of art. I mean, there are designers that are working on, on graphics that uh, a few years ago, you know, you, I think most people would have thought couldn't even be done on a floor. Um, and now, when you turn on the TV on any given night during basketball season, uh, some of the some of the designs are incredible and and huge. In, in some cases, the entire floor has has been turned into a canvas, and it's just a piece of art. So you know what Rob was saying about the the mayor of the town and you know the community you know having having pride in that floor. You know, we get into a lot of these smaller towns in in the Midwest. And and that that recreation center or community center, that's the focal point of the town. And it really is a, a source of pride. And some of these smaller floors or what we would think are smaller floors and smaller communities, they want the same type of graphics that they're seeing on these Division One floors. Um, Uh, Even the NBA, the NBA doesn't go too crazy with the graphics, but if you really look at the floors, especially this year, um, almost every floor now has got something special on that floor that didn't even exist in the gym world maybe 10 years ago.
0: So, So what does that mean to the gym contractor as far as opening up opportunities? For For upselling and that kind of stuff, can you talk about that a little bit
2: oh yeah it, it opens up it opens up a whole new world of opportunity and really it, there's no limit and and there really isn't any limit to what someone's imagination might be about what they want to achieve what what these designers are doing or what a school will do is they'll take uh, an idea to a sports floor contractor and say. Can you do this? And the contractors that step up and say, "We can do it, or we'll figure out how to do it," they are the ones that are going to really benefit from this this whole uh, changing of of ways in terms of of design and graphics on the floors. What what looks very difficult on a lot of these floors in actuality is quite easy to do. Now, I'm not saying that for all these floors. I mean, there are definitely floors out there that that some of these guys are doing that, you know, I wouldn't recommend that people even attempt because, I mean, they're true pieces of art. And it's a different skill set for some of these floors to be able to achieve what they're trying to achieve. But um, in most cases right now, we're seeing, you know, such an increase in the call for stains or glaze and um you know our guy a guy with bona sport phil phil sanchez he actually he came up with that term a couple of years ago where we said you know what what do we want to call what what should we call when we add the paint to a sealer to make you know a colorful stain that's not a wood tone stain but a painted color stain and, and Phil was the first person that, that I ever knew of that came up with the term glazing. He said, what, what, you know, that would be a nice glaze of color on that floor. And that, that term has actually become a standard term out there in the industry now when people are talking about going with a stained color on the floor. They, they say they want to glaze it. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to make light of it, but it's something as simple as just adding some paint To the sealer and coating it. And you can achieve some incredible appearances and colors on the floors now. And these are things that weren't done 10 years ago. They weren't even thought of. And, you know, there are, there are pioneers out there. And, and, you know, one guy that, that comes into mind all the time is, is John Prater, you know, at Prater's down in in Chattanooga. Um, and he's pretty well known around the country, but Prater's was one of the first companies that went out. And started doing some crazy designs on floors just to see what they could get away with. And you know, Mark Franey over there, who is an artist, he's a, a genuine artist. Um, he has he's done some incredible things on floors that I mean if you watch basketball on television, you've seen you've seen their work. And and Prater started that trend and it really did benefit the industry because it it spread very quickly. Where almost all of the top sports floor contractors now, you know, do some sort of of graphics and glazing, and um, have really expanded what what they're able to offer to to these end users.
0: Bill, um, so the you know in this day and age, everybody wants to brand themselves, right? I mean, even even you know, yes, the big universities and. and, and the nba but also in the even in middle schools now and one thing i was listening to john prater talk one time and he said that um you know uh, every school wants to brand themselves they want they want that logo that really identifies their school and he says and um and they'll always tell you that you know they can't afford it but um the reality is most likely they can all afford it there's a there's a benefactor there or there's somebody alumni or somebody that will will do that and uh, you know it's no different when you think of duke you think of that devil of the pitchfork right that brand well I, I guess the next thing you think of when you think of duke is when christian leitner hit that turnaround jumper in 1992 and and to, and to beat kentucky wildcats and, and absolutely ripped my heart out um i then went on just a little off topic here but yeah, i i that went on
1: to here we go. This is classic Wayne. That's I'm gonna sit back. I'm you know, just back. when I knew, I said, "Wow, he he might make it." And look, well, oh, just before the thirty-minute mark, Wayne, you were doing so good, but my you mind. had to open your mouth again. That's a <laughs> boy.
0: <You> never <laughs> cease to. My mind went to my mind went my mind went to Duke, and then when it went to Duke, it always goes to Christian Leitner. I'm sorry. Um. And then actually, uh, I saw a documentary of him. I mean, I hated Christian Leitner from at, from 1992 when he hit that shot. And I saw a documentary of him. And actually, the documentary was called "I Hate Christian Leitner." It was in 2015, and it cracked me up because I, you know, I realized how many other people hated him. And you know, remember when we brought him in to our Bona Convention, and he was a keynote speaker. And I thought, after watching the documentary, I thought how foolish of me. You know, I mean, gosh hate the guy I mean he's a basketball player he's a kid after all so I was excited to see him when he was our keynote speaker at the convention and I was watching him talk and about 15 minutes into it I thought to myself you know I still hate Christian Leitner
1: I hate Christian Leitner
0: <laughs> but but reason why I thought of that is the branding so even elementary schools right Bill and and um that, that for upselling if if uh I guess it's just for, I relate to residential guys that you know, uh, for medallions or something like that, find ways you can upsell the floor, so you're not just bidding at, you know, 17 cents a square foot or 20 cents a square foot or whatever. It gives you an opportunity to to make some sort of nice money on the upsell. So, uh, you know, I, I know at the beginning this is going to go off track. I, I know at
2: the beginning uh, when your podcasts were relatively new, um, you know, it was it was painful, obviously to to listen to those. But I, I made my kids and my wife, we were on a road trip, and I threw on the podcast, and we listened for for the first 10, 15 minutes of the podcast, and um, my kids laughed the entire time, because it was Wayne talking about uh, his Halloween trick-or-treating <laughs> episode.
1: Oh, my God. My kids that has definitely been so far I think the favorite story that anybody's heard yeah. uh, for the listeners who don't know I used to work in the sport under Bill, and then somehow I was moved to training we, we don't have to get into that but um, we, you know, we were we all talking one work. day at dinner a bunch of us and I said well I don't know what have you know what price did but he you know he traded me and Bill's Spoke right up as soon as he kid. He goes, no, 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 no. You were not traded. You were placed on waivers and picked up that way. I was like, oh, now that was a long, sad flight home after that one.
2: You don't put Tom Brady on waivers, first
1: of all. You you
2: <laughs> were the Tom Brady of the sport division, and you you know that.
1: Uh, I love you, man. Thank you, you know very that. much. For that.
2: Robbie and I worked together. How long did we work together for? Eight years?
1: Eight years. Yeah. We, Eight we, years.
2: We had a good time. We had a good time.
1: Yeah. There was a lot of laughing. Didn't feel like work at all. The problem Maybe was... Why I got tra- Maybe that's why I got transferred to training because it just never felt like work.
2: No. The problem was that you, you just have a way with, with presenting to, to contractors. The, the, the way you do your training is is really second to none. And I think everybody who's seen you in a in the training knows how much you care and and how much you love this whole this whole industry. But you you genuinely uh, have just got a special gift when it comes to training and to sharing your knowledge and sharing your expertise. And it was it was a crime to to keep you in a role where you weren't able to to showcase that? Wow, you're
0: you're good, you're you're good, Bill. <laughs> you're really good. He, 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 he that's be honest, he missed his number that, that quarter.
1: Because I know you're just getting into the corporate stuff. That. <laughs> that's how you let somebody go. That's 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 really good, Bill. That was beautiful. Thank you no, very no, very You much,
2: were man. you were in you were in a role that I mean that'd be like Tom Brady being you know being, being a, a defensive lineman. I mean that's. <laughs> Yeah, I had to I had to pull a Belichick check there and, and say, No, this is this is where I think I think Tom should be. Or wow. in this case, Robbie. So Wayne, you know, for you, um, likewise, you know, you mm-hmm. you had a you had a territory that you, you handled and um I guess this, they they just didn't know what to do with you, so then they uh, figured that the adhesives might be a good place to put you for a while. I'm hide I them. guess I'm
1: hide them over there. I
2: guess that's how it happened. I'm not even sure how or when I didn't even hear that uh, until the podcast when you mentioned it that you were doing something with adhesives I I don't mm-hmm. think many of us knew.
0: Thanks, I was going to say something there, but I, uh, Rob, when the two national sales managers are talking, can you can you just dial it down a little bit? I'll uh, I'm sorry, but I'll put the, I'll put
1: it on mute when you two are.
0: Appreciate that. Okay, so Bill, uh, um, back back to sports floors. The life of a gym contractor when the season's getting ready to gear up and the pressure that's on the gym contractor and the and uh you know how intense that that season is and 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 after all, how long is that season and, and what is a what do they do the off season as recoats in the in the game plan or, or talk to me about that a little bit I don't know that I don't know that world like like I know the the residential world so i'm I'm curious about that yeah the you know in in the past. There used to be almost a a
2: set defined sport floor season. I mean it, it typically was, you know, May through September. Uh, once once schools started to let out and you know the gyms were available, the guys the guys went to work. And and those guys would kill it for you know four months, five months. They they would not have time for anything it was it was just go 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 getting as many of the gyms done as they could um in the last you know 5 to 10 years we've seen that season slowly expand and i think if you ask most of the sport contractors today what their season is uh, a lot of them will tell you it's almost year round the the days of just having the summer Wide open on a gym floor uh, are gone. Almost every school, every community center, every facility with a gym floor; uh, those floors get used almost every day, every night. In the summer times, those gyms are getting rented out. Uh, communities are using it, you know, as a as a profit base where they can they can rent out the gym and make some extra money for the town or for the school system. So. The summertime is, is no longer the set season where gym floors are available. Now it's, it's pretty much whenever a gym floor can get done, then they're going to try to squeeze it in. So contractors are doing it. I mean, I mean, yes, probably 75% of the gyms are still done May to September. But now, I mean, we're seeing gyms. I know, I know contractors that still have three, four installs to do here within the last, six weeks of the year, which, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that was unheard of. So hmm. that they are busy almost, almost year round, which I think is, is great for, for the contractors. The, the biggest challenge that we hear the contractors talking about, though, is manpower and, and trying to find good guys who know what they're doing on a gym floor and, and how to keep them, because, you know, these guys who are on the, jo- on the jobs day after day, uh, a lot of them, they're just experts. They just know, they know that gym world, like the back of their hands, and, and there's, there's only so many of those guys to go around. So finding good people and, and keeping them busy in order to grow their business, that's that's probably the biggest challenge for sport floor contractors nowadays.
0: Where do you where do you see the as far as uh, oil based versus water based the percentages? Number one is my question for you. Uh, has that changed over the years, and 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 what's that look like? And also, are sheen levels changing? Are they always going to be gloss, or you see the sheen levels coming down as well?
2: Yeah, the sheen levels.
0: You know, there's been a call. For
2: lower sheen, uh, we do a lot of work with with the NBA, uh, meaning you know we 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 advise on on floor packages and graphics, and we work with the maple manufacturers that that work with the NBA and that do a lot of these Division One floors, and a big challenge for the NBA and and Division One. Is that the games are all televised? And because of the lighting now in arenas there, the LED lighting has changed the way the courts look. Um, the camera angles, the way uh, the cameras are used for television have changed. And the glare from high gloss floors isn't always isn't always what is ideal for these for these courts. So they've come to us and asked us, TO to TRY TO DEVELOP A LOWER SHEEN PRODUCT THAT WILL STILL PERFORM AS GOOD AS OUR CURRENT SPORT PRODUCTS DO. AND IT'S, I MEAN, IT'S BEEN 10 YEARS IN THE MAKING, WE'RE STILL WORKING ON IT. IT'S VERY DIFFICULT uh, FOR ANY MANUFACTURER TO COME UP WITH A LOWER SHEEN SPORT PRODUCT THAT'S GOING TO MEET ALL OF THE STANDARDS THAT ARE NECESSARY, MOST IMPORTANTLY BEING THE, the SLIP RESISTANCE OR COEFFICIENT OF FRICTION. So, yeah, I mean, there is a there is a want and a need for lower sheen, but um, it just hasn't been perfected yet, but we're still working on it as As far as the percentage of oil versus water, you know, in the sport world, it's still an old school industry where oil is still the dominant product, but water base has quickly been gaining. Uh, been gaining ground. you know over the last probably five or six years, we would say it it had been seventy five percent oil, twenty five percent water going on these floors. But now, as the VOC laws have been changing and evolving you know in different areas of the country, we're definitely seeing a rise in the use of water base as the younger generation of small contractors uh, gets involved. The, the water-based number is picking up. Uh, I think a lot of the, the younger guys in the business, maybe, you know, the second or third generation guys, are seeing the benefits of the water, not only for, you know, how it looks on the floor and how it applies, but, you know, for their own health, uh, for doing it every single day. Um, they, they just don't want to abuse their bodies the way, you know, in the past, you know, for, for us when we were kids and, you know, our dads, when when they were on the floors, it was unheard of that somebody would wear, you know, a, a, a mask, or unheard of to wear knee pads. You know, my my dad used to tell stories that if he ever put on a pair of knee pads, he would just get he would just get assaulted by everybody on that job site, teasing him. Um, you know, never mind wearing a respirator. That I mean, that was for. <laughs> that wasn't for for floor guys. It, it was a different mentality then, as we all know. and my my dad paid the price of that because um, you know he he ultimately he he passed away about five years ago now, but he had every single malady that you could imagine that a floor guy could have. he had he had he had sinus cancer. He had a cancer in his sinuses that was specific to. Breathing in wood dust, um, they were able to identify wood dust as being the exact reason for the cancer that he had in his sinus. He he had lost his hearing, he had barely any sense of smell. Um, his back, you know, was ruined. He had surgeries on both his knees. Um, his surgeries on his knees is ultimately what what led him to stop contracting. In the, in the early 80s and, and go into the, the manufacturing side of the business uh, and the training side. So, I, I grew up, you know, knowing all too well the hazards that are out there on the jobs that, that contractors face every single day. And, you know, if they're not protecting their bodies with, with the protection that's available and by using the products that are going to be safer for them, uh there can be some serious serious risks down the road which none of us think about now but you know i was able to witness it firsthand with my dad and you know he he preached that you know in his later years he would that's what he did when he trained contractors he always preached just use the right products and if you're going to use products that you know are a little harsher use the right protection for yourself and take care of yourself but um you know, that, that just leads back to, you know, these guys are doing 10,000, 15,000 foot floors, and to be applying, you know, oil-based products, not wearing a respirator, that, that's going to take its toll long term. So a lot of the younger guys who are in tune with that have, have really picked up on water base and learned how to use water base, and, you know, there's been so many changes technically over the last few years with water-based, water-based development just keeps getting better and better. And, you know, we've got some products now, we've got a new product that's that's out right now called Drive, which is a water-based product that the technology for it didn't even exist a few years ago. So as that technology evolves, we're gonna see water-based products just get better and better, more durable, easier to use, um, and I think, you know, within the next 10 years, we're going to see a complete switch over to, not a complete switch over, but a, a transition where water is the predominant product used on gyms versus oil. And, you know, we'll we'll see that in the next five, 10 years, I'm sure.
0: Uh, I got two uh, questions for you then, Bill. One is, um, are you seeing hybrid systems now where oil and water, you know, maybe oil first and water after, or, uh, can you talk about that. And also, uh what what's going on with paint in the industry as far as the new colors and the new guys the ways guys are achieving colors, How is that affecting paint lines and stuff like that?
2: well you just you just opened up a whole can of worms for Rob now on this because you know who the first person at Bona who used to go out and tell people that they could do water base and then put oil base on top of it if they wanted, or do oil based sealer, do your paint. Put water base on top. That was all. That was all. Rob Johnson and I invented
1: mind, the hybrid yeah, system.
2: Invented it. Mind you, this was at a time when Bona said absolutely do not mix these systems. Whatever you do, don't. I even put, wrote up my you know, own marketing yeah,
1: material for
2: it. Robbie did a lot of his stuff on his own without uh, you know corporate Bona being involved, and you know after all the lawsuits were cleared up uh, you know we actually saw some of the benefits of what rob was doing but but really rob rob pioneered that uh for us and he was promoting that that type of system and there were two reasons why rob I, that i know you were doing it i mean one reason was that the polybead or polyball issue uh with the with the turnover to 350 polys that had to be used in the Northeast, uh, we just saw a huge spike in polyball issues. So Robin suggested to a couple of contractors, hey, why don't you put down water-based sealer first and then put your paint down and then put the 350 over the top? Maybe that'll slow down some of the polyballs from coming up. And you know. It wasn't something that we had recommended as a company, but Robbie, you know, just dug into his his background and expertise and said, you know, this this will probably work. You know, we've done it; he's done it a million times. He said he knew it worked. But uh, contractors started to do it. We saw a decrease in the polyball issue. The same thing on the opposite side that Rob noticed was that people who were afraid to use water because they feared. Mm-hmm. Uh, side bonding. They feared, you know, panelization issues with water. Uh, Rob said, go with oil for your first coats, do your paint lines, put water on top. And when guys started to do that, they really started to see how easy water was to use and the benefits of it. And at the same time, you know, they could get a deep, rich color on the floor from the oil, which is what everyone was always used to. But then they could put water base on top and keep the paint lines crisp and clear and the paint lines wouldn't change color so I I credit Rob again I hate doing it but I credit Rob again for really developing that system and we eventually changed you know we did we did some testing on our own too and eventually changed our uh, instructions and in what we recommend out there to sports floor contractors and I think a a good amount of the contractors out there do employ that that system one way or the other. Where we call it a hybrid system where they're doing oil, you know, on the bottom and then water on top and they're they're getting benefits from from both both types of products.
1: You know, I might add that to my business card. I might just say just Rob Johnson and then underneath Pioneer. I like that. I do like that
0: a lot. Yeah. That's impressive. How much of I'll that? I'll never
1: have. I'll never have national, whatever, manager. But
0: oh I, no, no I, no. I think
1: I'm gonna go with pioneer. I like
0: that. Hey. Pioneer. How Should much hit the, of that?
1: Again, yeah, bell,
0: bell my for that winner. one. Yeah. How much of that did you take into consideration, Bill? I mean, these pioneering things when you when you cut him and put him into training.
2: Oh yeah, no, actually, <laughs> I.
0: I couldn't, I, 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 Rob will
2: tell you some of the comments that I had for him and some of the emails I sent to him were, I, I feel bad about them now. I, I may have been, yeah. I may have been a little harsh initially on, on some of the things that, that Rob uh, promoted, but now. I,
1: I knew it was going to be a rough email when I would open it up and there was, there was one that would be, he would start with stab, 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 and then, you know, then he would talk about what he wanted to talk about. But that, people would say, geez, that's a rough way to start an email. But the scariest one that I would get is, Rob, please tell me that you didn't do such and such. And that was one of the ones that I got from uh, the hybrid system where I made up my own paperwork on Bona letterhead. <laughs> and it went through the lawyers and uh Yeah. That was yeah a-
2: there, Rob set up the Albany division of Bona oh, but- where... I- poor poor pauline rob's wife he used to have her i think in the dining room just printing out you know instruction sheets and doing sample boards and everything else and hey,
1: man, she was mixing paint in the one yeah. picture i said
2: yeah yeah so i mean i th- th- that woman is a saint first of all uh, yeah. pauline is just I, I don't know how rob i don't know how rob has done it uh, to keep her around but uh she's she's definitely a special person but also Human resources also suggested that I stop sending emails to Rob that were harsh in nature, and they suggested that I not speak to him, you know, in a negative way. Those, so those, those terms. It, yeah, I took a while yeah. to, to overcome it, but I feel good about it now. I, I feel like I've made a lot of progress. And
1: hey Bill, let's talk a little bit about uh, the bona relationship with the NBA.
2: Yeah, we've we've enjoyed a really nice relationship. Um, with them for maybe the last ten years. and you know it's an honor to be included or involved with with some of the things that they're doing. obviously they they are they're the proprietors of of you know these thirty franchises that have the most visible floors in the country. Um, the, the 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 floors that we're proud to say that you know our products are on. Almost every one of those NBA floors, and and we've worked for a few years with some of the folks at the NBA to to really uh, fine tune the paint the paint color selection and some of the graphics programs. And like I had mentioned before, you know we work with with the NBA. We also work with some of the maple manufacturers that that do and build the floors. So uh we we you, in the past you know we were the official floor care provider for the NBA we no longer we no longer have that moniker but we we currently are partners with the Boston Celtics and uh just most recently we we just entered into a partnership with the Brooklyn Nets uh, and you know that's that's really special for us because one one thing that we love to to let everyone know. And floor contractors, to be honest, they don't care about our relationships with the NBA or, you know, what floors we're on, because these guys are doing floors every day. You know, they're the ones doing them. They're the ones doing the actual work. Um, so they're not impressed to hear that, you know, we're on this floor or that floor. But when that contractor goes to a school or is talking to an end user about what they're going to do on that school's floor, when they're able to say that the products they're going to use, the finish and the paint and the sealer and the maintenance products that they're going to provide them with, when they're able to tell that school that those products are the identical products that are being used every night on the NBA floors, that's, that's a message that that contractor can give to that, uh, that school uh, of confidence. Because that connection, really, is that if, if the NBA, at that level, entrusts us, entrusts bonus products to be on their floors every night, where, obviously, their investment in, in players is millions and millions of dollars, um, if they trust our products enough to be able to perform at that level, then that contractor can ensure that school district that, hey, these products are going to perform very well on your middle school, you know, your high school, your elementary school. It's, it's really, it just lends credibility not only to that contractor who has his own reputation in that marketplace, but to let them know that the products they're using also have a very strong valued Reputation, so yeah, we're we're honored, you know that that these teams, you know, value, you know, what we're offering for the products on there, and that uh, that really says it all for us because a lot of a lot of companies will will buy a partnership, you know, the official car, you know, of of the Boston Celtics or the official airline. Of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I mean, those those are nice partnerships for for marketing purposes. But what we offer and what we've got with our partnerships with you know the Celtics and the Nets and our connection in the past with with the NBA was that it, it's a functional partnership. Not only are we are we saying that we're a partner with you know the Celtics and the Nets, but we're also saying they're actually using our products on a on a day-to-day basis, um, in order to help them be more successful uh, as as a franchise, so it, it's something we're proud of, and something that we hope that the sports floor contractors that uh, use the Bonder products uh, can also be proud of, and hopefully they're sharing that message with their end users. And it's it's just a way that we're hoping to bring a little more value to to our customers out there.
1: You know, I remember I was. Uh had a meeting with an athletic director and a contractor up in Syracuse. And, um, you know, we're making the pitch and showing him this and that. And He goes, you know, I'd really like to get out and see where this product is. I want to take a look at it. And I go, well, yeah, let me bring you to Boston Garden. We'll show you the Celtics floor. And uh, he kind of went silent for a little bit. And he goes, well, okay, I think that's good enough for me. And that was it. (laughs) I mean, it made the job pretty easy when – that's who we're recommending.
2: Well, Robbie, you used to say it. You used to say that every single night of basketball season, there's somebody winning on a bonus floor.
1: On a bonus floor.
2: And and I mean that really was was a great way to put it because uh, you know when when someone does ask that, and we get that all the time. Hey, you know we want to talk to some other other places where the products have been used. We, we just say, well, put on the TV, put on Tuesday night when college basketball is on, put on, you know, during basketball season. You're going to see, you're going to see our products, you know, in use.
1: In I used to get actually. in trouble when I would guarantee more wins than the season before when they used our product. You know, I,
2: well, they weren't
1: say, yeah, making the switch to our product. Yeah,
2: you can't say that to every team, though, because that <laughs> someone's going to lose there. Yeah, it was getting
1: cocky there for a while. How many wins you had last year? Oh, yeah, you, had, you know, 16 wins. Well, you, know, you want 25? You talk to me.
0: <laughs> so guys, we um we started off this podcast uh talking about uh Bill Price Sr. um and, and being a pioneer in this industry and uh and I mean it sincerely, he I I I don't think there there were many people as genuine as him that genuinely cared for the contractor. And, um, Bill, I think in the sports world, we you know every every uh, sales meeting every year you get up and you talk about the the sports, the sports floor, the sports division and and you are an ambassador for that for that side of the business for us because i I you know i I see the passion you have and always wanting to come out with better products, you know, more things, more technology, you're always on the chemist, and you're always wanting to keep the level of the game up and, and the way you talk and the, the, how you revere the contractors out there and the stories you tell about how hard they work and what have you uh, is always interesting to me and I, I see how you and your team, how passionate you, you guys are about this so I think it's pretty cool. I appreciate you being able to spend some time with us uh, but um, we're gonna we're gonna You know, I,
1: I just before you end it Wayne I know you want to end it but um, one thing I'd like to say about Bill's dad Bill's dad was one of the kind of guys when you met him and talked to him for five minutes, it felt like you have known him for years. He just made you feel so comfortable, so genuine, and and just a pleasant person to be around and talk to. But that's what amazed me was whoever met him in five minutes, he felt like you knew the guy all his life, all your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's nice, guys. Thank you, Megan.
2: He, he cared more about the industry and about sharing everything that he had learned over the years. He wanted everyone to have that, that information and that knowledge. Um, and, you know, he worked, he worked in the manufacturing side and, and sold finishes for years, but he'd always say that he was the worst salesman because he really didn't care so much about selling the product. He just wanted to to help contractors be better at what they did yeah. and um you know that's that that's what i learned from him the most i love our industry i really do i i teased earlier saying how i wanted nothing to do with this business i i couldn't ask for a better path than what my dad provided me by helping me get into this business you know back in in the, the early 90s when I started, I've met some of the most incredible people and developed some of the, you know, the best friendships. And I truly enjoy the the contractors and the sport contractors that I deal with. Uh, I, I love visiting with them, love talking with them. It really is a unique group of guys. And, you know, our whole industry, we're such a small industry. Uh, it It's hard to find guys who who, you know, care so much about what they do in other industries. But when you talk to wood floor contractors, you can feel the passion every time mm-hmm. you talk to these guys. They all, they're they're invested in it. You know, they're craftsmen, they're artists, they, they're the whole package. And those are the guys that are successful. And um, I just, I enjoy being a part of it and I'm, I'm lucky to be a part of it.
0: Good place to end it. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate your time. Uh, Enjoy talking with you, and uh, this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne Highlander and Rob Johnson. Please stay tuned for another episode.